Hi, I'm Donnie. I'm Trinidadian Costa Rican. Hi, I'm Rhonda. I'm Afro Honduran. And we are your your co hosts for Negra Negra Como Soy. Or I am Afro Latina. Every Tuesday, we'll bring you the insights, perspectives, and history of the African diaspora in Latin America. To educate, enlighten, and hopefully create a sense of belonging for you, our listeners and viewers. Negra Como Soy is brought to you by Cultures, the global multicultural magazine. Cultures celebrates cross-cultural identity because everyone should feel like they matter. ¿Qué tal, Randa? ¿Qué tal? ¿Qué feos? Romita, you can see we have a good time every time we start. Check in and see how each other is. Man, I love that look, Dr. Ronda. Dr. Ronda always, you know, when I was younger, I used to wear head wraps and I had this great head wrap I'd wear all the time. And I was married for a long time. And one day my husband was like, do you have to wear those? <laughs> I know, right? I know, it's your face. That's a, I just remembered that story because I was admiring yours. And I, and I haven't worn it since. I was like, oh, no. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> you got to bring it back. No, I have to learn. I need to learn how to do it again. So anyway, yes, I was thinking the other day, because you know, you have to get the right fabric, right? So mm-hmm. I need to get that, but it would be perfect to wear where Romita is. So we're going yeah. <laughs> to tell you a little bit about where she is and what we're going to talk about today, which is Disney's Encanto. Um, Romita Bolchandani is someone that I'm thrilled to call my friend now. We've gotten to know each other. We met in Peru and she is now in Colombia, which I was for three months last year and we'll be going back to visit. So I'm excited to talk to her. So it's perfect (laughs) that we're speaking about uh, Disney's Encanto because Romita used to work for Disney and she knows how they develop these stories. So this perspective, in addition to now also being in Colombia, is going to Mm. really give you some insight into this production. Now, Romita is the founder and chief glitter officer of Glitter for the Soul. And we're going to take a minute for her to tell us a little bit about that and how she helps to change people's lives, which I think also will fit into our discussion about Encanto. So... Mm. Welcome, Rosa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This, this, what I do, and I work in the mental health space, and what I do fits with this movie. I'm going to say so surprisingly, because I wasn't expecting mental health to be a feature or a kind of the main event of Encanto, and we'll get into that later. But what I do is I help. Um, I help people from all over and the three things that we work on, problems that we solve is freedom. We all wanna be free of something, those suppressed emotions, those um, obligations that we have been um, forced to have or we didn't sign up for, but we have anyways in our lives, self-love. We're not conditioned to know how to love ourselves. We're not taught to how to, to, how to love ourselves. And then clarity is the other piece too, is getting clear and understanding like a lot of us want change, especially from the past two years that this entire world has been through. We've been through a lot of shifts in roller coasters and we want change. We've been pushed into change, but then we don't know where to go or how to get, get it. Um, so I work with clients all over to figure out those three problems and transform. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. What do you think, Dr. Rhonda? 
I'm loving the mental health aspect. As you know, I'm, I'm also a health professional and, and my focus in my practice is emotional health. And so I definitely resonate with, with the storytelling and Encanto that brought that up. I, I connected with it immediately and I'm just loving the work that you're doing with glitter because I think sparkles are really important when you're talking about mental health and making people come to a space where they love themselves and keep, take care of themselves. Thank you. Fantastic. So Ramita, um, I would love to get your perspective from a Disney lens on this movie and how it was developed. One of the things you and I talked about when we first discussed it, I also can't wait to hear about your transformation, like your thought about the movie before, and then you rewatched it after you went to Columbia and then your thought afterward. Um, but looking from the Disney lens and that transformation, what was your opinion before and what was is your opinion now? So when I first watched it, I was in Spain and my photographer was actually Colombian. I did a photo shoot and she did not like the movie. <laughs> so I went back, I, I went and watched it. I was like, I'm going to go see this movie. And you know, every Disney movie, um, at being immersed, I've worked for Disney for nine years and working with the storylines and being part of the the process from the creative process of um, bringing those stories to lives in the parks and the resorts and to the guests and the customers that would come to Disney, we would really get to know all the characters. But one thing that Disney had um, in, in the theme was there's always a villain. There's always a plot. There's always, you know, like this dramatic you know, scene along with the musical, with the, with the villain and the hero. And you have this, this um, kind of like this format. And when I first watched the Encanto, I was like, where's the format? Like, we've been doing the format for years. <laughs> it was in the last movie, what happened? <laughs> and so I was a little taken back by it. And I started doing more research on it because I'm like, what? Because Disney, I can't, like when I, I opened the Animal Kingdom Lodge Villas, and I remember when we were opening that resort, the details that they put into the molding, to the outlets, to the actual paintings, to the artwork, to the grand things that you saw from the outside, to the behind the scenes, like maybe it was a paint color that you wouldn't even think anything of as a guest. Disney really, like they went out and there was a mission, there was a meaning, there was a purpose behind every ounce of everything within that building. So just like they do for the parks and the resorts, the movies also have lots of hidden, hidden messages and a lot of um, history behind it. So I started looking at it. And for me, this movie, I wasn't prepared for a company like Disney to make a movie. To me, it was on mental health. It, and the villain was suppressed emotions that we hold on to um, from the pressures and obligations of family and society. That was the villain. The villain was our minds and our perceptions. And I was, I just wasn't prepared for that type of storyline coming from Disney, but I am so proud of them for putting out this movie and putting this out there. And then also using Columbia as a setting and Columbia is known for the drugs and the violence. Usually before I even came here, I can't tell you how many people warned me and you get here and the people are so beautiful. It's so green and it's so lush and it's so diverse and it's just so beautiful. And here you have a movie that represents probably one of the first, I don't know, I don't watch a lot of movies, but I'm going to say first movie 
that represents Colombia in such a magical, beautiful way where it's happy and it's love. And it talks about family dynamics that uh, my client who I just unpacked this movie with, surprisingly, it wasn't the plan, but she's like, can I tell, can we talk about Encanto? I just, I cried. And it's just like, she's just like, she's a white woman in America and two family, uh, kids of two. And she related to that coming from a strong Christian household. And she's like, that abuela, she's like my great grandmother. She reminded me of her and I'm, I'm Louisa. I feel like Louisa. And we went through and we unpacked this movie and then talking to the Colombians here, they feel so proud that they feel seen and they see, feel heard from the biggest entertainment company of the world. You go in the grocery stores, you go in the banks, all you see is Encanto, Encanto, Encanto. There's the music, there's the, the backdrops. It's like the whole, like everywhere you go, you see it, everyone's talking about it. I'm hearing to the chitter chatter. I can't listen. I don't understand a lot of the Spanish, but I can hear them say when I'm like, Encanto, my ears perk up. I'm like, ooh, what are they saying? I'm going to try to piece the Spanish together. <laughs> it, it's just, um, it's got people talking from all diversities about um, mental health. And the thing about it is, is we all are feeling the same things, just maybe in different ways, but we're all the emotions are similar. And um, we all felt alone. And all of a sudden, Disney brings out this movie at perfect timing, I would say, coming from a pandemic. And then also, um, lots of things have happened from a racial perspective, too. In the past couple of years, we've all been woke in different ways. And now we're being you know, we're, we're, we're talking about things in a different way. And I think it's bringing up a lot of great conversations and I, I'm here for it. I am here for all of it. <laughs> we agree. We agree. We agree. You know, Dr. Rana, did you have a question? I did not have a question. I had a comment, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Make your comment. Oh, I, I was just thinking as you were sharing that uh, I saw the villain right away from, from my own experience and upbringing. So I saw the abuela as the villain, not mm. as, not as an outright, like this bad thing, but just in being able to relate to her posture in the family and the fact that because of her posture, uh, people's emotions were impressed, uh, oppressed. That's something that I've experienced that my cousins have experienced. My siblings, we all talked about, with our grandmother and my siblings and I and my kids talk about with my mother at times too, you know, that there's this expectation that it's placed and there's this presentation to the community that does not match what happens inside the home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and the way that you feel. And, you know, we had all of the jokes about, you know, she, she definitely wouldn't apologize like that lady apologized in the movie. <laughs> And my my abuela wouldn't apologize either. And so there, I think that the emotional attacks that were happening from that villain, if if I'm seeing it as you know, I see it as the abuela being the villain, are far more traumatizing than you know a Gaston trying to um, throw someone off of the bridge or you know any of those other Disney movies. I think the trauma that is generationally lasting yes. is far more impactful in that film. You know, it's interesting mm -hmm. that you, talk, you say that, Dr. Rhonda. Two things. One, on our last episode, our second episode, we talked about um, 
our upbringing and how that was. And we talked about how society tries to put you into this, you know, this neat little box that people can understand and relate to because they can't think outside of what they've been told to be necessarily, right? And if a story is different than theirs, they have to try to fold that story into the same box because it's too difficult to try to conceptualize something that's completely different. Like, we got to throw this box away and start over. Oh, I don't know how to do that. But secondly, it was mm -hmm. interesting what you just said, Dr. Rhonda. Um, when, if you think about uh, generational impact and trauma and that type of thing, I also just had this same conversation about racism. So people think of racism as, you know, the burning crosses and the outright outrageous mm -hmm. things that happen that you can see and fight against. But what I think is way more insidious is those little tiny comments, those hints that you drop about people and in situations that then just fo get folded yeah. into who you are. Uh, no matter who you are, whether you're a person of color or a person from the majority, and then you act on those and you subconsciously don't realize you're re-traumatizing people or you have certain opinions based on these little things that have been fed into you, sometimes purposely, sometimes not purposefully. To me, that's the insidious part of racism. But yeah, it's interesting to see in this, to bring it full circle to, to Encanto, you know, this is what my family looks like, right? From the whitest white to the darkest dark, the, and all sizes and shapes, and this is my family, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about, um, I, we're going to put up on the screen all these social media uh, comments from people relating to so many people, so many different people in the movie. So one of the main ones, of course, is Louisa you know, of seeing femininity in a way that you can be strong and still be beautiful. But also some of the narrative and some of the conversations are about um, when that is all you're seen for and when you lose that, which is one of our episodes that we just had as well, our third episode of someone who is Afro-Latina and then found out from a, an ancestry test that she wasn't, right? Like what happens when you lose your identity in a second? Do you know who you are and can you be yourself without having the box that you've been put into? Mm -hmm. You know, I think this movie impacts so, so much. Mm -hmm. So, Romita, how, so this client just wanted to talk about Encanto, which I find very interesting. Is it because she knew you were from Disney or just out of the blue she wanted to speak about it? I don't think she and I have ever talked about my time at Disney, actually, so I'm not even sure we didn't, it didn't come up. She, we've been working a lot on um, her figuring out her identity. And she related so much to Louisa. She says, you know, I watched it with the kids and then we watched it again, just me and my husband. And I literally broke down and cried for the last hour of the movie. Mm -hmm. And, and, and she, she was surprised by her reaction to the movie. And it's something that she's never really reflected on. So seeing that, and, you know, in Disney movies, a lot of times, I think the, the unspoken um, myth is that it's for kids, right? But I think adults probably watch Disney movies just as much as the kids, because I've seen lots of reviews where the parents are watching the movie when the kids are at school and they've got Encanto playing in the background. <laughs> They're doing, I even have Disney movies playing, like I subscribe to the Disney channel as well. And uh, it's, but um, like, they just, we use Disney movies. It's their educational feature 
And they're one of those things that we use as a teaching tool for children. I know with my nieces and nephew in Spain, like we use Disney movies as a teaching mechanism to teach them. And it, so Disney is big. Disney is a big, and for them to bring out this, um, this whole with, with mental health was just, I, I'm still like blown away with it. I cry every time I watch the movie now, like literally cry because it just, it gets me because a lot of the family dynamics are very similar mm -hmm. um, to my family. My abuela is just like the abuela here in, in Encanto. And I, I looked at it, I was like, wow, it's just amazing. But I've noticed that from country to country I go to when I study mental, mental health and I look at what it looks like, a lot of our family dynamics are very similar, regardless if you're American, Colombian, Indian, Chinese, Japanese, like there's, there's a lot of overlap and the way our family dynamics are, and then the modern lifestyle, you still have that. The generational trauma that comes from all of that is still happening. We're still living it, and it's just showing up in different forms mm -hmm. and formats. I think Bruno, um, like, we don't talk about Bruno. That song will probably be stuck in my head for a long time. <laughs> it's, what did it just surpass? It just, it just surpassed Let It Go as the- Yes. The best how, song how or most famous, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so crazy. That says and a lot. That says a lot. It really does. And I think about Bruno as you know, his his everyone's got this gift, right? And Bruno's is psych um, psychology, right? It's like not psychology, but he's psychic powers, <laughs> and he basically goes around. He's he's speaking the truth. He's telling whatever whatever he sees. He's speaking his truth, but people aren't liking it. So because they don't like what he wants to say or what he's saying, they've shut him out. And he's he's been shunned from the community and from his family because he he spoke the truth. And but how many of us have heard that? How many of us have felt that in some way or shape or form where we have spoken our truth and then we've been shamed for it? Mm -hmm. And so I see that in the gifts that um, and like Isabella, the flowers. I love that the the, the pretty girl, the perfect sister was the darkest skin tone of the sisters. I thought that was Wait, no. really beautiful. Was yeah. Wait, was. no, no, no. She, she was. was. I will have yeah. to look again because you know yes. what's funny about She's a thing that's in yeah. my head. She is. Wait. She's darker than Mirabelle. She's darker than Mirabelle. Yeah, she was darker than Mirabelle. I gotta look it up. Yeah, like how, like the little, little subtle things, but like they're big. Mm -hmm. And you see that and it's like, you know, like to be able to see the darkest girl is the prettiest and the most perfect. And I think the movie played with our perceptions, what we do in real life, we judge, right? We see something, we judge books by its cover. And we, we learn the perception we think Isabel Isabella is so happy and she's perfect and she's got flowers. And then towards the end of the movie, we realize she's giving up everything just to please her family and she's not happy. And behind closed doors, she's, she's suffering inside. And the same thing with Louisa, you see that under the surface, that whole song, like it spoke to me. And you see that and you're like, oh, so you're not all put together. And it, it makes us look behind the, the curtain. Well, mm -hmm. it's nice too, because to that same point, Mirabelle, which I did look it up and you're right. I don't, you know what? I'm ashamed to say this in my head. Louisa was super light. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I need to research inside of why that happened, but that's, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's so the two, the, the, the darker characters, maybe it's because the darker characters, like the little boy, uh, 
that little boy. So Antonio. And yes. And then um, adorable. cousin with the curly hair. Oh, I just love her. But okay. So back to Maribel. I think it's interesting what you say about Louisa and the pretty, the pretty sister as well, because um, Mirabel now had the freedom to be herself because she didn't mm -hmm. quote unquote get her gift, but your gift is being you, right? And so she had the biggest gift of all. And of course yeah. she ended up saving the day. But yeah, all of that, what you just said and, and everything we talk about with society and how society feels and, and how we react to that. I just watched a TED talk last night or this morning cause I couldn't sleep. Probably cause I was so excited to talk to you. <laughs> um, and it was about how we're ourselves, our true selves until age seven. And mm -hmm. then we start conforming to what society, th society thinks. So as one example, they had said, oh, if you talk to little boys about age four and you say, who's the strongest? And they're all like, oh, I'm the strongest, I'm the strongest. Of it. And then if you go to little boys age seven, you say the same thing, who's the strongest? And they'll all point, little Johnny is the strongest. Oh, <laughs> wow. Tommy is the funny one. And Greg is the one who gets in trouble all the time, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Esteban is the one that chases the girl, whatever, you know, these are, I'm making all this up. I shouldn't have said that about Esteban. That felt like a stereotype, but, um, <laughs> I was trying to give non-Western names and then I've, I've made something bad out of it anyway. So I found that interesting that she was saying when you, that's our goal, um, on earth is to be who we truly are and that we are that way until seven and it kind of gets, you know, pushed out of us. And then mm -hmm. the other people who typically are themselves, according to this Ted talk, are people who are older. Uh, the woman giving the talk is, was Scottish and she called them the wrinklies. <laughs> and so she's like, but you get to be yourself because you don't care anymore what people think. And you say, you know, mm -hmm. I don't like this. I don't like that. And by the way, I don't like you, you know, and how people are no longer afraid to just say mm -hmm. what they feel and how it is. And when you're a child, mm -hmm. you also feel that way. So, you know, who unbeknownst to Mirabel, she w was able to be herself because people had no expectation of her. Right. Yeah. I, I wonder um, which, which uh, character you all resonate with. Um, I, I want to share mine, but, but I want to preface with um, coming off of what you just said, Donnie, that I'm always this anomaly to the people that know me because I've never lost that ability to just be myself. And so I'm, I'm not afraid at all to reinvent myself, like to be doing one thing and then suddenly being something different. Um, like I've had so many different jobs. I was in a funk band. I don't know if you know that about me, Johnny. <laughs> um, I've been in corrections, military, now I'm a healer, you know, a dancer, martial artist. I've done all of these different things because wow. I can, and if I feel like it, then I do it. But it just constantly has people like, I don't know what to expect from you. You know what I mean? Like they. People say that all the time. I, I, I never, I, every time I feel like I know who you are, you do something else and then I have no idea. Wow. And people are bothered, like they say it in a way that they're smiling, but you can also get this sense that they're bothered yes. by the fact that they can't place me. Unsettling. In, 
advice, right? Yeah. Um, but but I would like to say that I, I most resonate with Isabella, and it has nothing to do with like the looks factor, but the idea that she's this, you know, perfect, and she brings joy everywhere, and she, you know, she's she's just this beauty. And I'm seeing that beyond her physical, you know, beauty as in bringing goodness and making people feel good, right? And so because of the way that, that I speak and because I've always had kind of this quiet nature, people expect me to be this certain way, even though I've given plenty of examples of how mm -hmm. I exit the box that they try and have me in. There's still this expectation that I know a lot, so I'm the smart one. Um, I'm kind, so I'm always helping people. And so I must have everything together. I must be happy. Donnie and I went to this business retreat and we're supposed to be giving advice to each other at the table. And every time I give my share, people are like, well, I don't have any advice for you. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, no, I'm struggling. Like my business is not doing great. I need help too. And they're like, oh, really? It's not, you just you sound like you have everything together, you know? And so I didn't realize that I resonated with Isabella until she started pulling up cactuses and everything. And I was like, that's me. Like people expect just all pretty and goodness, but sometimes mm -hmm. I put out some stuff that's just like rough and sketchy and, you know, <laughs> don't touch it because you I'm might- A little go. prickly? Okay. Exactly. I'm glad to know about that. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I actually, I um, resonate with Dolores because- um, because she has, well, not because she was in everybody's business. Yes. No, that's not why. <laughs> she had the curly hair. I was happy to have a character. I mean, I know that um, Mirabelle had curly hair too, but Dolores had different curly hair, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's why I resonated with Dolores. And also, um, I need to watch the movie again. We watched it the first day it came out. We took our niece and nephew. Which, by the way, way I'll talk to what to, to your um, what you said about adults watching Disney movies. <laughs> well, actually, I'll just put it in here. When, uh, is it The Princess and the Frog? What was the one oh, with? Because yeah. I took what? my niece, what'd you say? In New Orleans? Yes, that was, was it called Princess and the Frog? What was yes. it called? Okay. Yeah, yes. Princess and um, the Frog. I took my niece to that and I was so excited. I remember she was tired. She was about five years old and she was so uninterested and I'm like, but it's a brown <laughs> Disney princess. <laughs> Invested, I was into this brown Disney princess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was your childhood self excited? I think. Shoot, it was my adult self excited. <laughs> the child, the adult, the the wrinkly, all of them were excited at the same time. <laughs> but anyway, so I for Dolores, I really resonated with her curly hair and I loved how it was. And I um, I think if I remember correctly, because like I said, we saw it the first day it came out. So it's been a, a, a little bit since I saw it. I, I If I remember correctly, she got like a really um, quality man was interested in her, right? Is the, Do mm -hmm. I remember that correctly? Yep. So, and I, so that's what re resonated with me because people discount you. They think, you know, they're, you, you can come around because you're not going to be, you know, you're the brown one. You have that crazy hair, all that. Uh, I don't, I feel fine. Like my man will be fine about around you. And then they realize, oh no, he's chasing you. Go away. <laughs> 
I don't want you here. <laughs> I didn't expect him to like you. And the point with that is that, and back to what you said about beauty too, beauty comes from inside. So um, what, whatever you think of what someone looks like on the outside or if you're better than them or not, that's not necessarily in the end what resonates with quality people, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, but her curly hair and, and the fact that she was triumphant is why, why she resonated with me. What about you, Ramita? Um, Maribel, the, the main character, she is the one that I connected with the most because I always felt like I didn't have the gifts that all my other cousins, we have um, a very large family. So we have about, I have about 21 immediate cousins. Like if I were to get married, I would have like 121 immediate family members <laughs> show up and they're all like immediate, like you can't discount any of them. They're huge. But I was constantly compared to, um, to each one of them. Well, so-and-so is going to be a doctor. So if you're not getting married, what are you going to do? And I was overweight growing up and I um, didn't really know what I really wanted. I didn't, I had to fight to go to college because in my, in my family, they were like, well, we need to get you prepped for marriage after high school. It wasn't, you know, I'm sitting here living in North Carolina. This is what, 2000. So I'm thinking like, we are, do we still follow those traditions? Like I, I wasn't sure, I was questioning that. And, you know, it's like something that I, like from a young child, I think about um, um, Antonio and even Maribel when she didn't get her gift, but it was, I don't know how old she was. It looked like maybe four. Um, they looked really like four years old when they were going to the candle for the door. I felt like they looked old, like young. I think seven. six or seven. Six or seven. Coming of age, but they said coming of age, which whatever that Ooh, was. Six or seven. Did felt... you get that six or seven when you think back to that TED talk about seven? Yeah. And that's the box. But that's still a lot. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Uh, that, you know, think that's about six that or seven. TED talk, though, the, at age seven, that that's when they start to know this is how you're supposed to be. I find mm -hmm. that interesting. I wonder, as you talk about Disney and, and the details, mm -hmm. I wonder if that was on purpose. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Like, it wow. seems like, but, and even at seven, when you're still, when you're like, okay, now you know where you're, the box you're supposed to fit in and still navigating that, it's still a lot of pressure. Like, I remember as a kid, I was trying, like, they were teaching me, like, when you go to people's houses, you have to help clean up. You have to be like, you know, you have to have these responsibilities that are female oriented, like, you need to learn how to like help with the cooking and help with this. And I'm like, I just want to play. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make a vegetable tray. Like, I know I'm good at it now because y'all forced me to be good at it, but I don't want to make them anymore. Like, you know, they would say like, go, go find out how to make a basket out of a tomato. Like they would like, let's make it like, I would be, I, I would be taught to do these kinds of things. And that wasn't anything that I was interested in. And so like growing up, I am 40 now, I'm not married, I don't have kids. And there's still a lot of my aunts and uncles and even cousins still talk about it. I, some of the cousins, they tell me like, yeah, they had a whole discussion about you. They feel like, you know, you're doing all this traveling and you should still, you know, it's so sad that you never got married. And this was conversations apparently that happened six months ago. And you know, like, you know while you're living your best life that so many people wish they had. Exactly. Life is over. Like she never got married, as though it's the end. Oh, like you, you had that time. Now. You know what it is? I was, We're just I was talking you're not miserable. <laughs> I was talking to someone yesterday, 
and they were doing, I did a facial wax and she's like, so you don't, you don't have a mar you're not married. You don't have kids, not any kids. I was like, no, not any kids. Like I don't have a half a kid either. Like I have no kids. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And cause I always tell people I'm happily homeless. I travel the world. I just go from country to country and live out of my suitcase. And I love it. It's the best life I could ever dream for myself. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if anyone else enjoys my life because it's my life and it's up for me to love it. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's taken my family time to get through, but I feel like Mary Bell, I never had a gift. I never had that gift that all my other cousins had that they had this knack of completing the tradition and completing the family and, and continuing that um, those traditional rituals. I just never, had that. So I felt like the black sheep in a way. And, and, and like Maribel, you, your life was intended to be bigger. Your life was intended to create change and to bring joy to people to, to yeah. on some level, I don't want to say be a savior. That sounds like a lot to put on somebody's shoulders, but um, yeah, to shine light that. No, way. it is. It is. Yeah. Because now I have the biggest gift of all is I'm a healer and you know, the same way the glitter came, comes out when she touched the door. Like, I feel like that's what I do. I leave glitter trails along the way. It's, it's so funny. I, I will, uh, I, someone else just sent me like last week. I haven't talked to this person in probably almost a year. And he's like, I just saw this video of people putting glitter in their paint and for their wall. Like he just like sends me like they, they, they see something and they're like, Ramita, Ramita and they want to send it my way. And so I've made impact. So I feel like that's been, I have the biggest gift is I'm able to give back in a way that I wouldn't have if I would have followed the traditions and followed against my own inner voice. So I'm sad to say that, that we're coming to a close, but I'll no. close with, I know, right? <laughs> I'll close with one question, unless you have one, Dr. Rhonda, that's burning. Okay, so I'll close with one question. Uh, so you're a photographer in Spain. They didn't like the movie. And why was that? And, and they're um, So she, and I don't, I didn't go into depth with her about it. Um, cause she was telling her, I said, I worked for Disney and then everything came out with Encanto. <laughs> just like, it just like, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't prepared for the conversation because I hadn't even watched the movie yet. Um, but for her perspective was she felt like Columbia um, wasn't well represented and they, they took different parts of Columbia and they didn't stick to like one section of Columbia. And she felt like it was so, there were so many different parts that she didn't, couldn't tell like what the story, I think she was focused on the details of the actual, like the look and feel versus the storyline. Um, because if you're, if you look at the look and feel, it actually is really representative. I think it's 1899. It's for the thousand year war. So it'd have to be between 1899, 1902. So it's in a very, it's a period piece. It's, it's in a different era. And then, but they still took in the times from like the new culture and they mixed it in with the old and in different parts from my understanding. So she didn't like the way they combined everything. She felt like it wasn't, it was um, mixing the meanings because they put, took d too many different um, sections or different parts of Columbia I I and they made it like a hodgepodge of stuff. I wonder too, um, where exactly from Colombia that she's from, because I know, um, so Cartagena, Colombia is the most diverse city as I understand it in Colombia. 
and it's got Arab people. It's got African, a lot of African diaspora there. Um, it's got a lot of multi-ethnic people, um, indigenous people, uh, Spanish descent, European descent. So to me, Encanto was very much, it was literally exactly how Cartagena looks even now, right? And you're right, it was a period piece. And I don't think mm -hmm. I saw any water in, in um, Encanto and, and Cartagena is on the coast, but so it's very much a coastal yeah. type of atmosphere. But um, when you go to other places in Colombia, you don't see that, right? Even in Medellin where you are or uh, Bogota, even more so, even less so, you don't see that type of diversity unless you go to a specific place. So I could see someone thinking, oh, they pulled all these different things. But if you go to Cartagena, that's literally just life. Mm -hmm. so, interesting, interesting. I think everyone's gonna have their opinions regardless, sure, sure. good or bad. Well, and I see it. that too. I see that because of, you know, we're negro como soy, right? And for me, this is part of my personal experience at all times, right? That is not what Latin looks like for us, right? Or this is not what I'm used to. However, there are parts of this culture that are exactly that. And we also talk about what does it look like, uh, and I mentioned it earlier today, to understand outside of what we've been told or what we think or who we are. Uh, I know it's something I try to stay open to all the time because there's always a story that we haven't heard. There's always someone who's different that doesn't fit our perception. And yeah. how are we able to relate to those people and accept who they are without giving our impression of who we think they should be? Agreed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Buen dia. Adiós. Chao. Adiós. Adiós. Adiós.